a lot of times, you know, they'll, they'll ask, well, what do you know about nail polish manufacturing? What do you know about architecture? What do you know? And my answer is, I don't know much, but I know more about the consumers who consume those products than you'll ever know. So now let's take what it is that you know about your specialization and marry it with my understanding of how the consumer purchases those goods or services. And together we'll have a winning formula. Welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. While there are a ton of other leadership podcasts out there on the interwebs, this is the only one solely dedicated to developing undergraduate leaders in numerous fields. We bring in interesting leaders from a variety of disciplines and industries to dish out practical advice for entrepreneurial undergraduates embarking on their professional careers. You'll hear from leaders operating at all levels, CEOs and other C-suite individuals who are at the top of their industries, mid-career professionals only several years removed from their college days, and young leaders in school who are already doing amazing things. We feature leaders from business, diplomacy, education, journalism, engineering, law, medicine, and the sports world. It's all part of our mission here at the Bucino Leadership Institute. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kai DeJesus, and I'll be your host. Today, we welcome Mr. James Orsini as our guest. Mr. Orsini is a Seton Hall alum graduating magna cum laude with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. Today, he's the president of the Sasha Group, a Vayner X company, which provides educational, consulting, and marketing services to help businesses reach their growth potential. He's also worked with companies such as Saatchi and Saatchi, Seton Mobile Limited, and Interbrand North America. In addition, he has written numerous business articles and white papers, including Agency of the Future, Let Leaders Lead and Practitioners Practice, The Authentic Network, and reverse 360 mentoring and appeared on podcasts such as Second in Command with Cameron Harold and Self-Made Band with Mike Dillard. He is a board member of Residential Substance Abuse Rehabilitation Programs, Renovation House of New Jersey and New York as well. Mr. Orsini, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's so good to be here, Kai. Thank you so much for having me. My first question is, from one Seton Hall student to another, what lessons did you learn in Seton Hall that you take into your career today? Servant leadership, I think, was the biggest lesson that I learned, and uh, I practice it uh, still to today. I, I graduated in 1985, but that was a message that they were hammering way back then, and and continue to bring uh, bring to pass. So it's been a big part of uh, of my career. So, what is the difference between servant leadership and just plain old leadership to you? Well, you know, I tell people that I'm a leader because people choose to follow not because I stand up on a desk and, and you know, bark out a title. Uh, and I've had several, president, CEO, CFO, COO, CAO. <laughs> I've had a lot of chief titles, but more because people genuinely want, want to follow somebody who has their collective best interest in mind. And I think that's a big part of servant, servant leadership. I, I made a decision today to change a guy's position who works for me down in Chattanooga, Tennessee, because I sensed his passion was in a different place than currently his profession was in. So uh, we're going we're gonna to help him find his way to his passion in the second half of 2021. I think that demonstrates servant leadership. So it's about the, the relationship between the person that leads and the person that follows. Yeah, you know, I'm an empowering leader, which means that that I have seven leaders beneath me who I have empowered to, you know, directionally run either geographic locations like uh, Los Angeles, New York, or or Chattanooga, 
or practice areas like consulting or branding or media. So, uh, you know, they're, they're effectively leaders who happen to be followers as well, you know, and I'm a leader that follows. I, I answer to Gary Vaynerchuk, our, our CEO of VaynerX. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Sasha group, part of the Sasha group's goal is to help these leaders build these flexible, flexible brands through consulting, through the advice that you give them. How much of, how much of a leader are you in this regard? And do you see yourself as a leader in all in this, like, in this case, because you're leading leaders or are you just guiding leaders? Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I love what the Sasha group stands for. It's, it's a unique company that was brought about by our CEO, who uh, I, I was serving as chief operating officer for VaynerMedia at the time. And he called me into his office and he said, you know, James, I'm on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. I have 10 million followers and we built a company to service Fortune 500 companies. Okay. I, I don't have a company to service these small, medium-sized businesses. So the interesting part about that space is that's often a forgotten space. You know, they're used to being serviced by B players and C companies on a great day. And, and uh, as the Sasha group, we brought them the A team, right? We, we like to say that we've brought them entrepreneurial spirit infused with Fortune 500 experience. So would you say that the Sasha group stands for helping out the little guys in this? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're really passionate about what we believe the backbone of America is. I mean, Gary actually named the company after his father, mm-hmm. who was a Russian immigrant that uh, came from Belarus, Russia, and, and um, you know, worked in a liquor store first and then was able to buy a liquor store next and and then through uh, through various efforts and and uh, Gary's uh, early discovery of of YouTube and the internet was able to take that business from 3 million in sales to 60 million in sales and in a little more than 3 years. Mm-hmm. So my next question would be can you talk about maybe in layman's terms some of the strategies that you would use to help these groups reach their full potential? Yeah, so you know the Sasha group was really made up of three pillars. It's an educational pillar, consulting pillar, and a digital media pillar. Uh, We like to say that we're a consultancy on the front end and an advertising agency on the back end. You know, you you had rattled off some of the companies that that I worked for, but some of the earlier companies were KPMG and Goldman Sachs, you know, who who ran a little more consultative than the places like, uh, you know, Saatchi and Saatchi or Interbrand that ran more like an agency. So we've kind of taken the best of both worlds and put them together through the educational program. We, we help to help entrepreneurs really understand the, the digital landscape, right? Uh, in a combination classroom, a workshop type setting. We, we teach them about the uh, various platforms, how do consumers consume the content on the platforms. We'll talk a little bit about culture. We'll share a little bit about our creative process We'll, uh, we'll talk about media. We'll talk about personal branding, uh, you know, because a founder or an entrepreneur sometimes is the brand of the company, if you will. Yeah. So uh, we, we have a subscription uh, product called Stork, which is uh, a membership product that gives tactical information, releases five-minute videos on a Monday, uh, how to find an influencer for my business, how to advertise on podcasting followed up by uh, articles on that topic on a Wednesday and then an ask me anything on a Friday on Monday's topic. So we have over 300 subscribers to, uh, to that offering on the consulting side. Sometimes we'll just work with them in a, in a whiteboard setting and 
help them brainstorm a particular problem that, that they have. You know, we, we could do some branding work for them, come up with a name or a logo for a new business that they're starting. And then on the uh, advertising side, obviously, we, we have uh, creative uh, services, uh, account and strategy, production, media planning and buying. So it's a full service uh, digital ad agency on the back end. Mm-hmm. So it seems that with the three pillars that you've mentioned, it seems that your approach is about the breadth of what you can, of everything that could be encompassed by running a business. Yeah, we, uh, uh, you know, we, we like to help the entrepreneur with what it is that they need. We don't require an agency of record type, type status. Uh, you know, we could just swat in and swat out in a 30 day project. We service on average 45 clients per quarter. So uh, it tells you, uh, you know, the, the amount of business that we have coming through our hallways on, uh, on a uh, regular basis. How have these strategies changed in the midst of this pandemic? Well, you know, we, we had to, um, we, when we're talking about small businesses, we talk about three things during the pandemic. We talk about them uh, absorbing, so realizing that the world is different than what it was just last year, uh, mm-hmm. adapting, surviving during these times, and recognizing that if you're standing at the end of this, you've won, right? So mm-hmm. many businesses won't be standing. And then the last thing is attacking, moving a piece of your business from defense to offense. So we've done that as the Sasha group by, by introducing this subscription-based model that did not exist pre-pandemic. We have another product that we, uh, that we call Mixtapes, where live production had shut down during the pandemic. You couldn't shoot a commercial or anything like that. So we ask our clients to send us 10 pieces of their content, give us 10 days and $10,000, and we will remix that content to look like it's fresh and new. Mm-hmm. And then even the whiteboard yeah. sessions now, we've been able to do virtually through technology and Zoom. All right. So it seems to mostly just be about taking what you have and fitting it into whatever we have right now. And yeah. If you, yeah. And we've been fortunate. It's it's worked for us. We, we went from 37 employees at the end of last year to 64 employees at the end of uh, this year that just passed. Oh, wow. So we, we were able to grow during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there was one thing that you wanted the, your clients to get out of your advice, what would it be? Well, you know, we, we asked them to think big. Our goal is to get them to outgrow the Sasha group and grow into VaynerMedia. Maybe someday they could be that Fortune 500 client. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we work sometimes uh, with bigger companies that we like to call challenger brands because that company may think more entrepreneurial than, than another company big and in its space. We're doing that now with uh, like uh, Utz Snacks as an example. Right. So your um, business is about leading and guiding businesses. Have you ever feared that you were ever leading a business down the wrong path? And what do you do to deal with that? Yeah, you know, look, we, um, uh, we work really hard to be as smart as we possibly can. We have businesses' best interest in mind. We recognize that when you're dealing with small businesses like this, there's a there's a big trust factor. Not that there isn't uh, with a big company, but obviously a big company has a brand manager that might control a budget. And here we're working with a founder or entrepreneur. And when I ask them for fifty or a hundred thousand dollars, that's the same money that they would use to send the kid to school, as an example. Mm-hmm. And now I need to convince them to look spend that money with me, and you'll still be able to send 
send your kid to school as well. So we, we take our advice and counsel very seriously in, in what we're doing. And we bring a lot of expertise to the table, but too, so. Do you ever have any feelings of doubt while you're going through this, even if you know that this is probably the right decision that you're going with? Sure, because a lot of times, you know, they'll they'll ask, uh, you know, uh, what do you know about nail polish manufacturing? What do you know about architecture? What do you know? And my answer is, I don't know much, but I know more about the consumers who consume those products than you'll ever know. So now let's take what it is that you know about your specialization and marry it with my understanding of how the consumer purchases those goods or services and together we'll have a winning formula. I guess along in that vein of questioning, I bet that a lot of our listeners can relate to having imposter syndrome in their own fields. Do you ever experience imposter syndrome and how do you deal with it? Not really. You know, we we deal with a lot of uh, founders who, who aspire to be like somebody else right? Mm-hmm. So we were talking to a, a direct-to-consumer company the other day, and, and they were saying how, you know, they aspire to be like a Casper or mm-hmm. a Tesla. You know, those are, those are big billion-dollar aspirational dreams for a small company that's based in Southern California. So, you know, and that's okay to dream, but a dream without a plan is nothing more than a wish. Uh, and we like to provide the plan. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, business comparing themselves to Tesla and Casper. Is it a good idea to try to associate yourself with these brands or is it better to forge your own path and try to not compare yourself to? Uh, no, I, I think, you know, when I, when I worked at Goldman Sachs, they would, they would always say that, you know, we're not necessarily a maverick. We let somebody else blaze the trail and then we just go behind them and do it better. So um, I, I, think, uh, I think there's something to see how other people do it. And then um, work harder to perfect it and make it slightly better rather than just kind of repeat it. So it seems like you want to build off of ideas that you've seen and then make it in your own way. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was on a, uh, you've heard of Clubhouse? Uh, have mm-hmm. you heard of, so I was on a panel at Clubhouse and we were talking about um, uh, Super Bowl commercials. And the one that they were referring to was the Vroom commercial, which mm-hmm. is like a, um, or Carvana, a car delivery service, if you will. And, you know, the the car dealers were being very frustrated at the way that they were being portrayed in that Super Bowl commercial. And they were saying, hey, you know, we have the same services. We could deliver a car from the car dealership to somebody's home. And, you know, uh, and part of what I was saying to them is, yeah, but but they found a better way to tell the story than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as I sit in my neighborhood here during the pandemic, I've seen three Carvana car deliveries, you know, oh. just dropping off cars in people's driveway. Those people are not going to a dealership. They're they're buying a car online and having it delivered to their house. So sometimes it's about the storytelling and how to do that better. How integral is the storytelling to the process? Uh, we we think it's uh, we think it's very important. You know, it's it's very compelling. You know, the beauty of the internet uh, and social media in particular is it has leveled the playing field, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, big brands, small brands can all participate in the same spot. Small brands normally can't afford a television commercial, uh, but but in the internet, you know, and on social media, they can afford to play. So now what's going to be the difference? Well, it's a compelling story that's going to mm-hmm. carry my attention and keep my my attention on the screen that's going to make the difference. Okay. As I said earlier, you are a board member of the Renovation House of New Jersey in New York, which is a substance abuse rehab program. What drew you to this cause in particular? Uh, 
you know, it was, it was pretty interesting uh, how that story came about. Um, there's some, uh, I never had drug or alcohol abuse in, in my family. So it was hard for me to understand why, if somebody wants to quit something, why don't they just quit? Uh, the other uh, interesting aspect was the fact that uh, most addicts believe that it's a personal thing, that they're not hurting anybody else. So why should you care? You know, they don't take the time to realize that their family, their work, uh, their relationships are all being affected by their habit. So, uh, you know, Renovation House works hard to uh, restore men to their family and, and families, a restored family restores a community, which restores a state, which can restore a country, right? So mm -hmm. that's kind of the way we look at it. We have a hugely successful um, success rate uh, because we deal with the spirit, soul, and, and body, the mind, soul, and body. Uh, all three are dealt with. It's a pretty long program. It runs nine months and then a three-month halfway house after it. So we have an 85% success rate for people who run through the entire program, but it is a lengthy program. It's a year. So, you know, we have facilities in um, Perth Amboy, New Jersey and Spencer, New York, and just recently opened up our first home for women as well now. Mm -hmm. So you talked about three pillars again, the spirit, soul, and, uh, spirit, soul, and body. Can you talk more about how they deal with each of these of these aspects? Yeah. So, so the body, we have physical fitness. We actually work mm -hmm. them out. Uh, the mind, uh, we have uh, counseling services. Uh, and the spirit, we, we literally bring in uh, preachers. You know, it's a, it's a Christ-centered, Christian-based. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're, they're getting Bible teachings as well. So that's, uh, you know, that's the three segments. We'll actually even teach them a trade. So up in Spencer, New York, we, we have a woodworking shop and we could teach them a craft and how to build furniture and things like that. Uh, we have uh, automotive uh, a facility to teach them how to work on cars and motorcycles and things like that. So we're trying to position them for success as we put them back into society. Mm -hmm. Do you ever see any similarities between the strategies that you use in your company where you talk to leaders about how to bring their brands forward and in helping addicts rehabilitate themselves? Is there any similarities that overlap there? Well, you know, I always say there's no substitute for wisdom and experience, right? So a lot of times, even here, I'm, I'm merely sharing wisdom that I have and experiences that I've been through, right? And and my hope is that it helps you or your listeners or, or somebody else in, uh, in a circle uh, that may need to hear what it is that I have to say. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I handle that very similarly. Did that when I, when I served on the uh, Board of Regents for Seton Hall University as well. You know, I, I, I wasn't a big money guy there, but uh, but I did have some expertise, which which I was able to share in uh, in that room. And um, I believe for the time that I was there, they were happy to have me do that. Mm -hmm. Where do you where do you believe that your wisdom comes from then? I my hobby is business. Mm -hmm. So I I would say that I know a little about a lot as mm -hmm. opposed to a lot about a little. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm little I'm, I'm more broad than narrowly focused. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a CPA by trade. I'm a New York State certified public accountant. I was an right. auditor. I worked on Wall Street. Then I got into marketing. Uh, I worked in public relations. I worked in branding. I worked in general market advertising. I worked in mobile media. Now I work in digital and social. So mm -hmm. I understand enough about all the marketing world 
to be able to comment on it. So it's about the diversity of your experiences. Is that where your wisdom comes from? Yeah, I believe so. And uh, the diversity of, of the people that I socialize with as well. Uh, you know, uh, I was very fortunate uh, twice in my career to oversee uh, 31 offices in 26 countries. So I traveled the world uh, mm -hmm. for 15 years, got to see a lot of different cultures, had a lot of great experiences, you know, so uh, it's, uh, it's been a great career and it's not over yet. Mm -hmm. You've talked a little bit about servant leadership and we've mentioned how it's sort of a relationship between those that lead and those that follow. And I assume that you've met a lot of people through your career. How do you differentiate these relationships? How do you make each relationship special in its own way? Well, you know, it starts with me first. I am the same person at home, in church, at work, on the side of a baseball field, uh, with my friends. Uh, I don't wear different masks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that becomes the issue. People ask me, how do you get so much done? And it's because I can seamlessly transition from one thing to another. So uh, my, my work associates know about my philo philanthropic servanthood and, you know, uh, know about my background. And um, I've, uh, I'm still in touch with every boss that I've ever had mm -hmm. in a 35 year career, which I think says a lot. So I've never left really in a crash and burn kind of way. I, I have a very uh, strong and active network. And in that, and you mentioned one of the articles, you know, the authentic network, it's about uh, helping somebody simply because you're in a position to help, not because there's something in it for you. Uh, so I've, I've practiced that for many, many years. Right. So do you ever get nervous? I, I guess like switching gears a little bit because I, the original question that I had, but then I realized that there was a more broader question that I could bring up. The original question was, how do you make these, because you've been on over three dozen podcasts, how do you make each podcast experience different for you? Well, look, that's that's the hard part because a lot of times mm -hmm. they, they all want to ask me the same questions because <laughs> my audience or, or their audience you know, hasn't heard the story. Uh, I try to mix it up a little bit because my audience is listening. My followers are listening to the podcast and they're like, Oh no, not again. He's not going to tell the story again about when he, you know, flew to Concord eight times or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so, uh, look, I try to keep it as fresh as I can by following, uh, the lead of, uh, of the interviewer. I'm much better not script it. You know, mm -hmm. like a lot of times they'll be like, Hey, we'd like to send you the questions in advance. I'm like, I'd rather not do it that way. So you also mentioned at some point about how all of your bosses know you, you don't put on masks. Where does that work-life balance come in? You have to, you have to fight for work-life balance because uh, everybody wants me a hundred percent, right? My family wants me a hundred percent and work wants me a hundred percent and renovation house or my time at the board of regents all wanted me a hundred percent. So you have to fight for that balance to, to keep it, uh, you know, uh, uh, in check. Um, so, you know, there are certain times when I will shut down, you know, I know work, it's time for work to end. Uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's, the work is going to be there. Um, I don't necessarily need to, to be up at 2am banging at my computer, you know, uh, I'll keep an eye on my phone or something to see if there's an emergency, but if not, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it the next day. Uh, I've learned to say no. Because a lot of the charities that I've been on always want me to, to chair or run 
you know, or be the president or whatever. And I've learned to say no, uh, you know, just recently, uh, even with my own church, you know, where I was the head usher, you know, I've been serving ushering for 20 years. So, you know, it was time for me to do something different in that church ministry, you know, and I just went there and I said, listen, it's time for me to kind of rotate, rotate off doing this particular uh, servant task. Uh, but I, I have my eye on another one that I think would be helpful. And they were like, oh my God, that's, that's tremendous. Yeah, please help us. That's about knowing your limits, sticking to them, and then knowing where you're going. Yeah, and knowing your strengths and playing to your sweet spot too. Okay. You know? So we're reaching closer to the end of our time. So I do have a few ending questions. Mm-hmm. What sort of podcasts or books do you recommend in order to become a better leader? I love uh, Stuart Levine's Six Fundamentals of Success. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, uh, it's sequel, which is cut to the chase. Uh, that's a great book on work-life balance, you know, um, a, a good instructional manual on that. The, um, uh, six fundamentals of success talked about knowing what's on your boss's dashboard, knowing what's important to your boss and therefore paying attention to those type of things as well. So those are two great um, educational uh, books. Um, and I, I really love the podcast that we just launched as the Sasha group mm-hmm. called Building While Flying, where we interview various entrepreneurs and they talk about their journey to, uh, to success, talk about their failures as well. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a great podcast. And I love how uh, the narrators, two of my leaders, uh, uh, Katie Hankinson and Mickey Cloud, uh, one will do the interview. And then at the end of the podcast, the two will dialogue about the key points from the 30 minutes prior. So it's a great little executive summary at the end. Okay. Um, and do you follow any thought leaders on social media or in the news? And you got to follow Gary Vaynerchuk. If you're not following Gary with his 10 million plus followers, you know, you're, uh, you're certainly missing out. Mm-hmm. So thanks again for this conversation. Thanks for coming to the interview. Uh, and once again, thanks for coming to the podcast. Kai, it was great being here. And I wish uh, the, the Bucino Leadership Program and, and Seton Hall students great success. Thanks. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Same here. On behalf of everyone at the Bucino Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank all of our podcast listeners, the podcast team, as well as 89.5 WSOU Pirate Radio for allowing us to use their facilities. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership and on Twitter at Shu Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.